This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Henry Lincoln was close to the end of his long mission. The 40-year-old writer and documentarian was on a journey of discovery that had started a decade earlier in 1969, when he had stumbled upon a book about a small French town called Rennes-le-Chateau. Now, in 1979, he had become convinced that Rennes-le-Chateau held the answer to a mystery that was over a millennium old. Henry had already shot two documentaries. He'd led a camera crew up a mountain trail to a mysterious tomb at the top of a hill on the outskirts of Rennes-le-Chateau. His team had filmed him as he tried to decipher coded documents given to him by a secret society called the Priory of Sion. The capstone to his years-long project was when he interviewed his Priory of Sion contact, a man named Pierre Plantard. A translator asked Plantar, will the treasure of Rennes-le-Chateau ever be found? Plantar responded, here you are speaking of a material treasure. We are not talking of a material treasure. Let us say quite simply that there is a secret in Rennes-le-Chateau. The secret Plantar was referring to could be the answer to a mystery spanning thousands of years, the location of the Holy Grail. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast shows for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. This is our second episode on the Shepherd's Monument, the mysterious coded inscription carved into the stone monument in Staffordshire, England, has puzzled cryptographers for over 250 years. 
Some believe that the letters are graffiti, while others think they stand for a memorial epitaph. Some even think that the letters are a clue to an ancient mystery, the location of the Holy Grail. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Shugborough Estate in Staffordshire, England, was once the home of the Anson family, the Earls of Lichfield. In 1960, the Anson family bestowed the property to the English National Trust. The Shepherd's Monument, which was constructed on the property in the mid-1700s, has brought all manner of code crackers and treasure seekers to Shugborough Hall for centuries. And while there are many theories, no one seems to know the truth. Or if they have cracked the code, they haven't shared the secret. We know that the monument was originally commissioned by Thomas Anson and built by sculptor Peter Shemakers sometime between 1748 and 1763. Peter carved the solid piece of marble into a framed relief of the painting Et in Arcadia Ego, which was created by French Baroque painter Nicolas Poussin in 1638. The relief shows an image of four figures, three shepherds and a shepherdess, in a pastoral scene meant to portray the rural ancient Greek state of Arcadia. The group is gathered around a tomb upon which the phrase Et in Arcadia Ego is carved. On the monument below the Poussin relief are two lines of letters, the first with eight letters and the second with two letters set wide apart. The first line reads, O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V. The second line has the letters D and M carved very wide apart so as to be on either side of the letters from the first line. It's not clear if Shemakers carved these letters when he sculpted the Poussin relief. In fact, the only thing that's clear in this mystery is just how much is unclear. The various contradicting theories, few of which can be traced back to hard sources, are the reason why the Shepherd's Monument mystery remains unsolved to this day. Sadly, it seems that will always be the case. This lack of a concrete meaning for the mysterious letters has led to a number of theories, some logical and some less so. Could the letters be initials, a favorite poem, or a coded secret message? In this episode, we'll look into the major theories surrounding the meaning of the Shepherd's Monument. We'll also touch on a few minor theories that have been suggested, which haven't found as much support. The first theory we'll discuss is that the carvings are simply well-sculpted graffiti carved into the stone sometime after the monument was completed. The second theory we'll dive into is that the letters are a bizarrely cryptic memorial dedication to Lady Elizabeth York, Thomas Anson's sister-in-law. Lady Elizabeth died at a very young age in 1760, which was near the end of the period during which the monument was known to be built. It's possible that during construction, the Shepherd's Monument was repurposed to act as a sculpture in her memory. Finally, the third and most popular theory that we'll explore is that the letters on the Shepherd's Monument are a clue pointing to an ancient secret. 
Some believe that the letters were put there by a member of a secret society to hint at both the true nature and the location of the Holy Grail. Scottish historian and monument expert A.J. Morton believes he has discovered the true explanation for the mysterious letters on the Shepherd's Monument. In 2011, in an interview with the English newspaper The Telegraph, Morton asserted that the letters are graffiti carved sometime after Anson had the Shepherd's Monument built. Morton said, there doesn't appear to be any reference to the curious letters until the 19th century. This suggests quite strongly that they were added later. Not only does Morton believe he knows what the letters are, he thinks he knows who carved them. He told the Telegraph that nothing in Thomas Anson's life fits the letters in the inscription, except the family of his nephew, George Adams. Morton believed that the letters are initials. Those initials do not match any of the names of the people in Thomas Anson's life at Shugborough. However, they do match the names of the people living at Shugborough with Thomas's nephew, George Adams. When Thomas died without an heir in 1773, the estate was passed to his oldest close male relative, his nephew, George Adams. George was the son of Thomas's sister, Jeanette Anson and Sambrook Adams, a lawyer. George and his wife, Mary Venables Vernon of Sudbury, moved into Shugborough Hall after Thomas Anson's death. George took on Anson as his new surname, and he began using the family coat of arms to further cement his succession. According to Morton, it was George and Mary who carved the letters sometime after Thomas Anson passed away. The exact date isn't clear, but this addition to the monument would have come at least a decade after the monument was known to be completed. Morton believes the letters are an acrostic, with each letter representing a word. In his interview, he states to the Telegraph that the first line of letters, O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V, stand for Orgreave united with Overly and Shugborough, Viscount Anson Venables Vernon. Orgreave is the name of a village about 12 miles from Shugborough. Overly was a small hamlet and geographic area located within the boundaries of Orgreave. The Ansons had historic ties to both of these areas. George's son, Thomas, was even made the Viscount of Shugborough and Orgreave in 1806. So, according to this theory, the inscription could be a recounting of the family's accomplishments. When the younger Thomas Anson was made a Viscount, he united Orgreave with Overly and Shugborough. And, per Morton, the two final V's in the inscription refer to the other side of the family, represented by Mary Venables Vernon. For the second line, Morton believes the letters D and M also refer to Mary. Mary was from Sudbury, Derbyshire. According to Morton, the D stood for Derbyshire and the M stood for Mary. You've probably noticed by now the big discrepancy in this timeline. Morton stated that the carvings were done by George Anson, formerly called George Adams, and his wife, Mary Venables Vernon. But his interpretation of the inscription refers to a Viscount Anson, who would unite Orgreave, Overly, and Shugborough. George Adams wasn't a Viscount. His son Thomas wasn't made Viscount of Shugborough and Orgreave 
until 1806, 17 years after George's death in 1789. So if Morton's theory is to make sense, the letters couldn't have been carved by George and Mary unless they somehow had the powers of premonition to know that their son would become the Viscount in the future. Additionally, the order of the letters and their purported meanings is very odd. The first line stands for Orgreave united with Overly and Shugborough, Viscount Anson Venables Vernon, according to Morton. The second line stands for the words Derbyshire and Mary. I don't think the order of those words makes sense. It doesn't even sound like an intentional message or even a coherent sentence. Agreed. If you're putting together a secret acrostic to be carved into stone, it seems likely you'd want it to make some sort of sense to those who decipher it. What seems much more likely is that Morton compiled a list of whatever buzzwords may have had links to the Ansons, the monument, or the areas around Shugborough Hall, and tried to line them up into a possible cipher for the letters. Coupled with the issues in the timeline, I'd say Morton's theory is too thin to consider as a realistic answer. Morton also seems to have a habit of chiming in with theories on other anthropological and historical mysteries. He's also been cited in the Daily Mail as hypothesizing that the Holy Grail could be in Kilwinnan, Ayrshire, Scotland, though naturally he offered little proof to back up this claim. Don't feel bad for A.J. Morton, though. He's still thoroughly convinced his theory is correct. He told The Telegraph, I've tried convincing myself that I'm wrong, but I can't see any way out. While I'm pleased to have solved it, I do worry that I've destroyed something magical. We'll attempt to discover the truth behind the inscription after this. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the mystery. In the 1940s and 1950s, the Shepherd's Monument had been relegated to an unexplained curiosity. No one was actively seeking to solve the mystery of the letters. By 1951, a new generation of the Anson family was living in Shugborough Hall. The hall had been home to the Ansons for over two centuries. Margaret Anson, the 52-year-old Countess of Litchfield, had begun a new project to organize and catalog the Anson family heirlooms and documents that languished in dark corners of the estate. She hired the writer Oliver Morchard Bishop to come to Shugborough and help. When Oliver first arrived, he was taken by the many strange buildings and monuments that dotted the estate. He was intrigued by the infamous Shepherd's Monument and the strange letters carved on it. One night, he asked the Countess if she knew what the letters represented. Countess Margaret told the writer that they were an acrostic code. Each letter stood for a word in a line from a story. The line, she claimed, was a message of love. The letters O-U-O-S-V-A-V-V -V stood for 
Out your own sweet veil, Alicia, vanishes vanity. The line continued, she told him, Twixt deity and man, thou shepherdess the way. According to Margaret, the lines were from a story about a shepherdess who traveled through the rural country of ancient Rome during the second century CE, converting Roman pagans to Christianity. Margaret told Oliver that a minister had told her the story when she was a girl in Westmoreland. However, no one researching the Shepherd's Monument has yet been able to track down a similar story to verify this claim. It could be possible that Margaret imagined the story herself, inspired by the monument. After all, above the letters on the carved marble is the Poussin relief, which shows three shepherds and a shepherdess gathered in rural Arcadia. Like Morton, Margaret could have just found a phrase or series of words that lined up with the letters and presented them as the meaning. It's also possible that she concocted the story herself, confusing the story told by the Poussin relief with another tale of a shepherdess in ancient Rome. The lack of evidence beyond the Countess's story makes it very unlikely that her theory is true. However, it is a nice bit of poetry. During his time working at Shugborough, Oliver came up with his own theory as to what the mysterious letters stood for. This is exemplary of the types of theories that swirl around the Shepherd's Monument. As you've probably already noticed, it's hard to pin down any definitive proof regarding a carving made 250 years ago. While we go through these theories, keep in mind that we are taking them all with a grain of salt. In a letter to the Countess Margaret, Oliver speculated that the letters were a memorial message. He believed that they stood for a Latin phrase that translates to best of wives, best of sisters, a most devoted widower dedicates this to your virtues. Oliver's theory was that the monument was a memorial dedicated to Lady Elizabeth York, Thomas Anson's sister-in-law. Thomas Anson's brother George was an admiral in the Royal Navy. While circumnavigating the globe in 1743, he captured a Spanish galleon carrying silver off the coast of the Philippines. The prize money he earned for delivering the ship to England made him a very rich man. He used his newfound wealth to fund all the building projects his brother Thomas would undertake at the family home of Shugborough Hall, including the Shepherd's Monument. George married his wife Elizabeth in 1748 after his trip around the world. Sadly, he wouldn't get much time with her. Lady Elizabeth York died of unknown causes in 1760. She was only 34. Undoubtedly, the sudden and tragic nature of Lady Elizabeth's death profoundly affected the Anson family. Since the Shepherd's Monument is thought to have been built between 1748 and 1763, it was possibly made to honor Lady Elizabeth. Or the monument's purpose could have been altered mid-construction to reflect Lady Elizabeth's passing. The Poussin relief especially gives the monument a melancholy and funereal air. The original Poussin painting, titled Et in Arcadia Ego, is a memento mori. In the art world, 
A memento mori is an artwork meant to remind the viewer of the short and fragile nature of human life. Memento mori is a Latin phrase that translates as, remember, you will die. The painting's title, Et in Arcadia Ego, means, even in Arcadia, there am I. Most art historians take this to mean that, even in a perfect utopian world, death is present. Since the monument already had a mournful theme, it would have been the perfect way for George to remember his late wife. If Oliver's theory is true, that would mean George Anson commissioned someone to carve the letters as a loving epitaph for Lady Elizabeth. Best of wives, best of sisters, a most devoted widower dedicates this to your virtues. This theory actually fits very nicely with another theory about the monument. The second line contains only the letters D and M, which many historians have theorized stands for the Latin phrase dis manibus, meaning dedicated to the manes. DM was often carved on Roman and early Christian tombs as a kind of protective seal. The manes were spirits of the underworld that Romans believed protected the souls of the dead on their journey. If the other letters stood for a Latin phrase, the language of the ancient Romans, it would make sense that the D and M would be Latin as well. But is this theory correct? <laughs> this one isn't as easy to cross out. The artwork chosen for the Shepherd's Monument is a rumination on human mortality, so it would be fitting that the inscription below it would have something to do with death. But that doesn't conclusively prove that the letters are a memorial inscription to Lady Elizabeth. This theory hinges upon what Oliver Morchard Bishop speculated in 1951, which is hardly conclusive evidence. There's no indication that he found these words written down anywhere in any of the Anson papers. Instead, the words, best of wives, best of sisters, a most devoted widower dedicates this to your virtues, are a product of Oliver's imagination. While this theory is a nice thought, that's not enough hard evidence to convince me that this is the true meaning. I agree. With all of the other theories floating around out there, there's no clear reason to believe Oliver Morchard Bishop over anyone else. Many other theorists seem to think the letters stand for something more biblical. Makes sense. In the mid-1700s, England was a deeply Christian nation. Familiarity with and adherence to the Christian Bible was an important part of daily life. If the Ansons were to inscribe the Shepherd's Monument with initials, it would make sense if they drew the phrase from a source everyone knew. But what was the phrase? Here's where we run into an issue. There are not one, but two competing theories. An American lawyer and playwright named Steve Regimbal believes the letters stand for another Latin phrase, a translation of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 8, which reads, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Ecclesiastes deals mostly with the futility of human effort. In this line, the preacher is usually interpreted as meaning that nothing really matters apart from living one's life according to God. Heavy stuff. In the currently accepted Latin Bible, however, those words start with V-V-D-E-E-O-S-V. -E -E the letters on the monument are O-U-O, -O, 
S-V-A-V-V. Regimbal explains this inconsistency. According to him, if the Ansons wanted to put this phrase on the monument, it could be possible that they did not have a Latin Bible and instead translated the verse themselves directly from English. The verse is thematically similar to the Memento Mori Poussin painting. If this theory is true, then the letters remind the reader of the futility of life, and the Poussin relief reminds the viewer of the inevitability of death. It's incredibly depressing, yet plausible. Again, we don't have any hard proof for this theory. So, while I believe it makes sense, we can't decisively say that Regimbal is correct. Keith Massey, a former linguist for the NSA, also thinks the Shepherd's Monument has a biblical message. But he disagrees on which book that message is coming from. According to Massey, the phrase on the Shepherd's Monument wasn't a personal message carved by the residents of Shugborough Hall. Instead, it was a phrase which had become popular for monuments and tombs at the time the monument was built. He believes the letters are an initialism for a Latin sentence that translates to, I pray that all may follow the way to true life. It's a reference to John chapter 14, verse 6, in which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. During the Last Supper, Jesus tells his disciples he is leaving predicting his own death. Thomas asks him how they can follow him if they don't know where he's going, and he replies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Massey, who now works as a Latin teacher, believes his background in language and history has led him to the correct interpretation of the inscription. In a 2014 interview with Business Live, he said, My solution provides a straightforward and grammatical sentence, all parts of which are attested in tomb inscriptions and texts, predating or contemporary with the creation of the Shugborough inscription. Massey also believes that the DNM referred to Dis Manibus, or dedicated to the Manes. He argued that it would fit with the theme of a Roman-influenced memorial. Massey is a renowned linguist, and his arguments for his theory are convincing. But again, there isn't quite enough evidence to definitively agree with him. There are persuasive arguments for each of these theories. It seems logical that the letters could be a memorial message for Lady Elizabeth York, or a quote about human futility from Ecclesiastes. It would also make sense for the letters to stand for the quote from the Book of John. I would give all these theories a maybe. While they all make sense, there isn't any definitive proof that would persuade me to choose one explanation over another. The reality is that there's an endless array of phrases that one could propose for the meaning behind the letters. While these theories are interesting to discuss, they're generally counterpoints to the most popular theory that comes up when discussing the Shepherd's Monument. In this theory, the mysterious message of the monument is at the center of a much larger conspiracy. If the authors of the bestseller Holy Blood, Holy Grail are to be believed, the Shepherd's Monument is just one clue in a series pointing to an incredible treasure, the Holy Grail. 
Next, we'll consider whether the Shepherd's Monument is linked to one of the oldest religious conspiracies of all time. Now, back to the story. The Shepherd's Monument at Shugborough Hall has puzzled visitors for over 250 years. Theories abound as to the true meaning of the ten letters inscribed on the monument. Some believe the letters are an epitaph for Thomas Anson's deceased sister-in-law, while others believe it's 19th century graffiti or a message from the Bible. In 2004, an explosive new theory came to light. According to this theory, the Shepherd's Monument inscription wasn't simply a personal message, but a secret code. On November 25th, 2004, a press conference was held at Bletchley Park, an estate in Buckinghamshire, England. The stately mansion, which by then was a museum, was swarming with reporters. They were packed in amongst stacks of dictionaries in myriad languages, bulky mid-century radios, and a number of small, mysterious machines. You see, Bletchley Park isn't just a historic estate. The complex acted as central operations for British code-breaking during World War II. It was there that English mathematician Alan Turing broke the first wartime messages from the Nazi Enigma machine. Now, amidst flashbulbs and questions, they reported the center's latest triumph, breaking the 200-year-old coded message on the Shepherd's Monument. The secret they had discovered was earth-shattering. The message on the monument pointed the way to something thought to be lost for thousands of years, the Holy Grail. Oliver and Sheila Lawn led competing teams of cryptanalysts to the conclusion that the letters on the monument stood for the phrase, Jesus H. Defy. It was reported that an unnamed American cryptanalyst at Bletchley Park came up with this message by dividing the Poussin painting into grids and looking for clues to the meaning of the letters carved below. However, it wasn't quite clear how he used those grids to come up with Jesus H. Defy. Nevertheless, the Lawns believed this to be the true message. According to Oliver, the H stands for the Greek letter Chi. The Chi, in turn, stands for Christos, the Greek word for Messiah. The codebreakers interpreted this as a message that the carver of the inscription defied the belief that Jesus was the Messiah or the divine Son of God. As we discussed in last week's episode, the belief that Jesus was an earthly prophet and not the Son of God was a central tenet of both the Freemasons and the Knights Templar. Oliver Lawn argued that the message was added to the Shepherd's Monument by an associate group of the Knights Templar known as the Priory of Sion. The Priory of Sion is a legendary secret society that believes that the Holy Grail was actually a metaphor, not the cup from the Last Supper as commonly believed. In the group's mythology, the early prophet Jesus married his disciple Mary Magdalene. Instead of dying on the cross at Calvary, Jesus and Mary Magdalene moved in secret to the south of France and had children. According to the legends about the Priory of Sion, the Holy Grail either referred to Mary Magdalene's womb or the bloodline of Jesus Christ. 
In his 1982 bestseller, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, BBC presenter and documentarian Henry Lincoln discussed the Shepherd's Monument and its relation to the Priory of Sion, Knights Templar, and the Masons. Thomas Anson's choice of the Poussin painting, Et in Arcadia Ego, was deemed particularly significant by Lincoln, as that painting already had a number of ties to the Priory of Sion and the Holy Grail legend. Through his analysis of the painting and other texts, Lincoln comes to the conclusion that the tomb in Poussin's original painting was a very real tomb in Rennes-le-Chateau, France. Traveling to Rennes-le-Chateau, he found a tomb that seemed to match exactly the tomb painted in the original version of Et in Arcadia Ego. But by the time he had found it, the tomb had been emptied of whatever or whoever was supposed to lay inside it. Lincoln comes to the conclusion that at some point in the past, the tomb housed someone from the bloodline of Jesus Christ, if not Jesus Christ himself. He reasoned that Poussin, who he alleged was a Freemason, was privy to this knowledge. He hid clues to the true nature of the tomb in his painting for other trusted members of the Masons, Knights Templar, or the Priory of Sion to discover and decode. Lincoln states in his book that during the state funeral for Admiral George Anson in 1762, a poem that references the shepherd's tomb was read aloud. The poem is as follows. Upon that storied marble cast thine eye, the scene commands a moralizing sigh. E'en in Arcadia's blessed Elysian plains, Amidst the laughing nymphs and sportive swains, see festal joy subside with melting grace and pity visit the half-smiling face. Where now the dance, the lute, the nuptial feast, the passion throbbing in the lover's breast, life's emblem here in youth and vernal bloom, but reason's finger pointing at the tomb. Lincoln believed it was not a coincidence that the Ansons had a monument on their property with a Poussin painting carved on it. He was also sure that the poem about the painting was deliberately chosen for the funeral. He thought the letters must have been carved sometime during George's life or immediately after his death in 1762. The poem was meant to be a clue for listeners to look at the Shepherd's Monument. And with all the focus on the Poussin painting, Lincoln was sure the Ansons were aware of its true meaning. Even before the letters on the monument had been decoded, the readers of Holy Blood, Holy Grail were convinced the Shepherd's Monument had something to do with the alleged tomb of Jesus Christ in France. The code-cracking team's solution for the inscription, Jesus H. Defy, lines up with this theory. The code would signal to them that the monument was more than it seemed and that a deeper truth could be found in the Poussin relief. If you were to believe in the conspiracy theories already surrounding Et in Arcadia Ego, this translation of the inscription would fit perfectly with them. There are dozens of other theories as to what the Shepherd's Monument inscription actually means. Some think the letters represent Roman numerals and add up to a certain number or year. Others think they represent coordinate points. One man, George Edmonds, 
has even proposed that the inscription points to the coordinates of a buried treasure that George Anson hid on Oak Island in Nova Scotia in the mid-1700s. Unsurprisingly, treasure-seeking expeditions to the island have not proved fruitful. There are already a number of convincing theories we've discussed. One theory, proposed by Scottish historian A.J. Morton, dismisses the inscription as nothing more than elaborate graffiti. Morton is sure that the letters stand for Orgreave United with Overly and Shugborough, Viscount Anson Venables Vernon. This message is meant as a kind of identifying marker, left there by Thomas Anson's descendants, George and Mary. Well, this explanation sounds like it could be plausible, I have to say I'm not thoroughly convinced. I agree. This phrase seems very long and convoluted. If it were graffiti, why wouldn't the carvers do something simpler, like simply their initials? This particular theory is based more in A.J. Morton's opinion than in hard fact. That brings us to our next theory, that the letters are a dedication to Thomas Anson's deceased sister-in-law, Lady Elizabeth York. It's fairly evident that the monument is a memorial of some sort, but can we definitively say that it's for Lady Elizabeth and that the letters stand for that exact phrase? I'd put this in the maybe category. While this meaning is plausible, there's no proof that the letters actually stand for the words suggested by Oliver Morchard Bishop. Just like Morton, I feel that Bishop cherry-picked these words to support his own theory. And there's just as compelling evidence that the letters stand for something from the Bible. Due to most of the aristocratic classes being learned and familiar with both Latin and the Bible, perhaps the inscription wasn't meant to be a secret code, but a well-understood reminder to live life in a Christian way. Again, there isn't enough to convince me of the veracity of any of these theories. The last and most notorious theory is that the letters are a message from the Freemasons, Knights Templar, Priory of Sion, or all three. This code reads Jesus H. Defy and is interpreted as a declaration of the belief that Jesus was an earthly prophet and not the Son of God. Many believe the inscription is a clue, drawing secret society members' attention to the Poussin painting above it. This painting is said to point the way to the final resting place of either Jesus Christ or his descendants. This theory is my favorite. Feels like the plot of a treasure hunt movie and honestly has a lot of convincing aspects. This theory is fun, but there's too much conjecture to tell how likely it really is. While some American cryptanalysts claim that the letters stood for Jesus H. Defy, he didn't describe how he came to that conclusion. And there's no evidence that the tomb at Rennes-le-Chateau ever housed Jesus or someone of his bloodline. When it was opened in the 1920s, the owner found nothing inside. It's easy to start nodding along when a theory is presented as explosively and passionately as it is in Holy Blood, Holy Grail. But at the end of the day, the evidence is lacking. Not only that, but with the tomb destroyed, it's doubtful anyone could investigate this claim further, even if they had the chance. I, for one, would have loved if archaeologists armed with today's sophisticated methods could have investigated the Rennes-le-Chateau tomb. 
The straight answer is that it's not completely clear what the Shepherd's Monument means. Unless some old diary entries or 18th century receipts are discovered, we may never know the true intentions of whoever carved that inscription. It must, unfortunately, remain as it has always been, an unexplained mystery. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast shows like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next Thursday. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode was written by Molly Quinlan and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.